Three Sushi A Beautiful Mind Princeton University, September 1947 The first day of term, John Nash meets fellow mathematicians Niels and Bender. Sol arrives, then Hansen. Nash read both of Hansen's preprints, one on Nazi ciphers and another on nonlinear equations, scathingly criticizing both. Charles Herman enters Nash's room, announcing that the prodigal roommate arrives. Nash writes equations on the window. He's there to work. Soon they're on the roof drinking. Nash can't waste time memorising the weaker assumptions of lesser mortals. He needs to distinguish himself with an original idea on the governing dynamics. Nash says classes destroy the potential for authentic creativity. Everybody's getting published but Nash. When Hansen beats him at go, Nash calls the game flawed disrupts the board and walks off. At a bar, Niels sets up a girl for Nash to talk to. Nash says he wants to skip the formalities straight to the sex. She slaps him across the face and leaves. Nash accidentally breaks his dorm room window with his head when Charles throws the desk out the window, both laugh. Later, Nash says Adam Smith needs revision. If all the friends go for the blonde woman, they block each other and no one wins her. If they then go for her friends, no one wins because no one wants to be second choice. If no one goes for the blonde, they don't block each other and don't insult the other girls. They win and they all get laid. Nash quotes Adam Smith. The best result comes from everyone in the group doing what's best for himself. But it's incomplete. The best result comes from everyone in the group doing what's best for himself and the group. Hellinger calls Nash's idea a breakthrough of great magnitude. Sol and Bender clink bottles of champagne when they learn they've been chosen by Nash. The Pentagon, 1953, five years later. Nash learns the Pentagon has been intercepting radio transmissions from Moscow he looks at the numbers on screens dominating the walls. The latitudes and longitudes are routing orders across the border and into the US. Nash arrives to his class late. Loud jackhammering begins. Nash shuts a window, but it's too hot. A woman yells could the workers stop. Nash briefly frames this occurrence in terms of multivariable calculus before leaving an equation on the board. 
departure from the Pentagon is impressed by Nash's work. Parcher takes Nash to a lab and swears him to secrecy. A faction of the Red Army calling itself New Freedom has a portable atom bomb. They communicate through code embedded in periodicals. Nash should scan these titles and decipher the codes. He has a radium diode implanted in his arm. Nash doesn't show for class, but Alicia says she solved his equation. Her work's elegant, but incorrect. She asks him to dinner. Nash introduces her to the governor. She puts a neatly folded handkerchief in his pocket for a photo. Nash is worried. Alicia makes him focus on her. He must practice human interaction and social comportment. He can keep the handkerchief. Nash checks the number on his wrist under the mailbox's UV light, types in the code and gains access. Nash tells Alicia it's difficult for him to polish his interactions enough for them to be sociable. He's direct with people to save time. He suggests they skip the formalities and have sex. Surprisingly, she doesn't slap him. Nash is late meeting Alicia, but he presents her with the crystal. He gets on one knee, wanting some verifiable, empirical data that proves their relationship will last. She separates his formal approach to romance and marries him. Cambridge, Massachusetts, October 1954. Parcher tells Nash to get in his car. The back window is shot out by Russians. They come alongside. Nash crouched in the passenger seat. Later, Nash is in the dark. Alicia turns on the light. Increasingly paranoid, Nash instructs Alicia to drive to her sister's only on main roads and to stay where it's crowded. Harvard University National Mathematics Conference. Nash is talking. His rapt audience allow him space for his lofty, labyrinthine thought patterns. But Nash spots Parcher and leaves. Dr. Rosen says he's a psychiatrist. Nash hits Rosen in the face and men restrain Nash. He's drugged, then carried to a car. Nash is in restraints. He's in the MacArthur Psychiatric Hospital. He tries jumping from his chair. He feels betrayed by Charles. Rosen says there's no one there. Orderlies remove him and he screams he's being held against his will. Rosen tells Alicia he may have gone undiagnosed since graduate school. 
he mentions delusions like Charles Herman. She remembers now there was always an excuse why Charles couldn't meet Alicia. Nash actually lived alone at Princeton. Nash also mentioned William Parcher, but Rosen can't easily disprove his existence. Nash's entire office is littered with clippings. Alicia then breaks into Nash's mailbox. She visits Nash. In pyjamas, he apologises for his behaviour, then says they may be listening with microphones. She says there's no William Parcher, no mailbox. She produces a stack of his unopened envelopes. Later, Nash lacerates his arm, looking for the government implant. He's soon strapped to a bed. The nightmare of schizophrenia is not knowing what's true. He spasms violently and sustainedly. Insulin shock therapy is prescribed five times a week for ten weeks. Princeton University, one year later. Alicia tells Sol she feels obligation and guilt over wanting to leave. She feels rage at Nash and at God. Nash is sitting on the porch. He's trying to solve the Riemann hypothesis, but his notes are muddled. Sol says there are other things besides work. Nash doesn't know what they are. In bed, Nash discourages Alicia's advances, blaming the medication. She goes to the bathroom, screams and smashes the mirror, yelling that she doesn't know what to do. Alicia gives Nash his bedtime medication, which he secretly discards. He sees code in a newspaper. He's drawn to the forest and parcher. Nash is shown a military intelligence bunker inside a shed. Princeton, New Jersey, April 1956. Alicia hears radio chatter and investigates. She finds scraps of paper plastered throughout the shed. She remembers her babies with Nash. Upstairs, he tells her Charles was watching the baby and she stops their son from drowning. Downstairs, Nash lunges at Parcher but Alicia hits her head. Both delusions want Nash to kill his wife, but he forces Alicia to stop. He says Marcy can't be real because she never gets old. Nash sits with Alicia and Rosen. Nash stopped taking his meds because they prevented him from working helping with the baby, 
or responding to his wife. Rosen says schizophrenia is degenerative. Nash can't reason his way out of it because his mind is where the problem is. Nash agrees he's not safe to be around. He also confesses he doesn't know if he would have hurt Alicia. Still, she dismisses Rosen. She needs to believe something extraordinary is possible. Princeton University, two months later. Hansen is now head of the mathematics department. Nash strongly reacts to Charles. Nash requests Hansen ignore what he just did. Familiar places, familiar people might help Nash conquer his delusions. He's happy to work out of the library. Later, Nash is having an episode. He yells there's no mission. Hansen arrives and calms Nash down. Alicia says stress triggers the delusions and that he should try again the next day. Nash is in the library doing his window art. Other students watch in wonder. Some students mock him. Gradually, he rises above his delusions. Princeton University, October 1978. Nash is working on the Riemann hypothesis. Toby Kelly's been studying the equilibrium Nash wrote there at Princeton and shows Nash his own theory. Hansen brings Alicia to see Nash sitting, talking about mathematics with three students, saying it's an art form. She watches proudly. Princeton University, March 1994. Thomas King says Nash is being considered for the Nobel Prize. Nash's equilibrium has become a cornerstone of modern economics. Nash deduces King came to find out if Nash would dance around the podium, strip naked and squawk like a chicken, then says it's possible. Then dozens of professors approach Nash's table, showing their respect by individually putting their pens in front of him. Nobel Prize Ceremony, Stockholm, Sweden, December 1994. Nash tells a packed auditorium that he always believed in numbers and in the equations and logics that lead to reason. But it's only in the mysterious equations of love that any logical reasons can be found. His wife is all his reasons. Nash cherishes the handkerchief she gave him. The audience stands and applauds. His delusions appear collectively now in silence. 
Professor John Nash's theories have influenced global trade negotiations, national labour relations, and even breakthroughs in evolutionary biology. John and Alicia Nash live in Princeton, New Jersey. John keeps regular office hours. Starring Russell Crowe, Ed Harris, Jennifer Connolly, rated 12, directed by Ron Howard, released in the UK 2001, runtime 2 hours 15 minutes. <laughs>